Nehemiah chapter number three. Been preaching through these gates in recent days at the church and had a good time with it. And I uh, feel like the Lord have us preach a little bit of this stuff tonight if he'll help us. It's good to be here, ain't it? Thank the Lord this is better than what the devil had picked out for us. I promise you that. Nehemiah chapter number three, just going to mention the gates on the way through, not read many verses, just kind of mention where the gates are. Verse number one, then Elisha the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and they set up the doors thereof, even unto the tower of Mia, they sanctified it. And unto the tower of Hananiel. Look in verse number 3. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build. Verse number 6. Moreover the old gate repaired Jehoiada the son of Paseah. Verse number 13. The valley gate repaired Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah. Verse number 14. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah the son of Rechab. Verse 15. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalon the son of Kohosah. Look in verse number 26. The Bible said in verse 26, Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Aphel, under the place over against the water gate toward the east, and the tower that lieth out. Now turn the page if you've, if you've got your Schofield. Verse number 28, the Bible said, From above the horse gate repaired the priest, everyone over against his house. Verse 29, After them repaired Zadok, the son of Emmer, against his house, after him repaired also Shimeah, the son of Shechaniah, the key, uh, keeper of the east gate. Verse number 31, after him repaired Malchiah, the goldsmith's son, unto the place of the Nethanims and of the merchants over against the gate Mifgad, and to the going up of the corner and between the going up of the corner under the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. So... In verse number 31, we've made a complete circle there and got right back to the uh, sheep gate in verse number 32. And everything, everything starts at the sheep gate with Jesus and everything finishes at the sheep gate. Amen. It made a full circle. You can be seated. We'll ask the Lord's help to preach. All right, all right. Father in heaven, Lord, we do love you and thank you, Lord. We realize, Lord, we stand in a place where our flesh will make a mess of this. And I pray, dear God in heaven, Lord, you'd figure out a place for us to uh, preach from. I pray, God, you'd give us the application you want applied to our hearts tonight. Lord, we sure love you. We thank you. We realize, Lord, we'd be in a mess without you tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that you saved my never-dying soul. Lord, put a song in my heart. Thank you, Lord, for a Bible. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Calvary. Now preach us in the Holy Ghost. We'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. For it's in your name we ask every word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, I'm going to ride around and look for a parking place. There are several, several applications can be made. There's three basic interpretations about these gates. And the first one is a primary interpretation, which is very basic. And uh, it is basically just the physical application of these gates. These gates, if you would imagine, Jerusalem had a, a circle around it. Basically, it was, it was enclosed by walls and, and gates. And the temple was in the center uh, kind of in the center and then the gate surrounded this city and you start at the salvation gate the sheep gate up top 
and you make a full circle. And so uh, basically a physical application, the sheep gate was called the sheep gate because that's where they brought the sheep through. That makes perfect sense. You can understand that if you're from Chesney, amen. The sheep gate come through the sheep gate to go to be sacrificed. And then you come to the fish gate, which was called the fish gate because the fish market was near. The old gate was called the old gate because the old city, Salem, was near there. And on and on and on. You could go on and on. The water gates, where the water left the town. The dung gates, where the garbage left the city. And so on and on and on, you have the physical or the practical interpretation. And then you have a, then you have a practical application that me and you can make to our own Christian lives. I mean, it's a lot deeper than just a sheep gate because sheep come through it. And it's a lot deeper than a fish gate because the fish market is near. I love my Bible. Don't you love your Bible? I'm not hunting another Bible. Are y'all listening to me? I love my old King James Bible and I'm not hunting no other book. Hallelujah to God. I love, listen, the Old Testament of this book was about a nation. The New Testament of this book was about a man from that nation. And if you look through that nation, every once in a while you can find that man. In that nation. Ain't that right? There's a picture of Christ in Nehemiah. Ain't that good? I'm going to try to get there maybe just in a second. The practical application could be made of our Christian life. In that, me and you got in at the sheep gate. We all got born again at the sheep gate, but didn't get in no other way. Got in through the sheep gate. And the very next gate we come to is the evangelism gate, the fish gate. And they say, the statistics say that more people are, more people win more people to God in the first two years of their salvation than any other time in their life. That's pitiful, isn't it? But that happens right there at the fish gate. So we come through the salvation gate. We got born again there. We come through the fish gate and we start telling everybody that we got born again. That is what happened to you, ain't it? Ain't that the way it happened for you? I got gloriously saved, and when I got gloriously saved, I started telling everybody that I got gloriously saved. That's the way that it works. That's the way the Lord designed it to work. And so we come through the salvation gate, then we get to the fish gate, and we tell everybody that we come through the salvation gate. Hallelujah to God. Then we get to the old gate, and me and Christ and you and Christ start walking through these gates, and you look back at the old gate at what you used to be. And you look back and you're glad that you're not that anymore. I'm glad, thank God, that I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I want to be. But I'm glad, thank God, I'm not what I used to be. Ain't that right? So we come to the old gate. Then you come around, you get to the valley gate, and you have to walk through a valley, through a trial after you get saved. Got to go through your first trial. Got to go through your first valley. And Christ is getting you ready to offload some things out of your life at the dung gate. Ain't that right? You come through the dung gate. And the dung gate's where we offload. That's where we get rid of the garbage. And then you come on around. Once you get the garbage gone in your life, you come around by the fountain gate. The Holy Ghost gate. The Holy Spirit filled gate. Ain't that good? But you can't get to that one until you get the trash gone. Y'all not helping me preach this. You can't get to that Holy Ghost gate until you get that trash out of your life. All right, and so then you come around to the fountain gate. After the fountain gate, you get filled with the Spirit of God. You start reading your Bible. 
You start getting into the water gate. You start realizing that you're in love with that Bible because you're in love with the author of that Bible. Ain't that really good? Then you come around after you come through the water gate, you head up toward the horse gate and the horse gate was called the horse gate. Guess why? Because they kept the horses nearby. And horses represent battle. They represent tribulation. They represent trials and wars. And after you get out of that water gate, you better be ready. There's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be a warfare. There's going to be a trial. There's going to be something you need that water for. And so it's basically making a full circle of her Christian life. Then you get to the east gate. That's the gate that Christ is going to come through. That gate, by the way, stays locked all the time. Nobody uses that gate because they're waiting on somebody that's authorized to use it. Y'all not helping me preach this. That gate's locked to this day. They don't, nobody, no Jew uses the east gate. It's locked up. All right, so then you come to the Mifgad gate, the gate of inspection, the, the judgment seat gate, if you will. And we make that full circle in our Christian life. Now, I'm interested in this. I don't know why, but the Lord's put me, he's put in my heart today. Now I thought this may happen when I got up here, but he's put this, and you don't hear this preached on much, because I don't nobody want to deal with this. But the Lord kind of put that dung gate in my heart today while I've been cutting grass, and every bit of the refuse, every bit of the garbage that come into Jerusalem or that was made or that, that formed in Jerusalem left in that one gate. All of it went out of that dung gate and it went out to that Hinnon Valley and they would set it on fire outside of that valley gate, but it went out of that dung gate. And every one of us, every one of us child, children of God better have a place where we offload some garbage every once in a while. Now, all of us are praying for revival, and we should be. And all of us are praying for a Holy Ghost move of God in our churches, and we should be. But don't look for that fountain till you've been by that dung gate. There's a whole lot of us is praying that God would pour His Spirit out on us, and we're carrying a bunch of garbage around. Y'all, you notice how quiet it gets when you talk about taking the trash. Somebody needs to take a trash out. You know what trash does? If you leave it in your house, it starts to stink and it starts to get heavy and they don't, nobody want to be in your house if there's a bunch of trash around. Is that right? We live like a devil about Monday through Saturday and then we come in on Sunday morning. We want to be spiritual and holy on Sunday morning and we want God to really show up, show out and blow out and we've lived like the devil half the week and hadn't took a lick of trash out. We've carried garbage around with us Monday and Tuesday. We've, we've accumulated some more garbage Wednesday and Thursday. Before you know it, we've carried around a big old stinking pile of mess and we expect God to show up and move in our, in our services. Are y'all listening to me? Been looking at filth we shouldn't have been looking at. Been listen, I'm gonna preach in a minute. Been listening to filth we had no business listening to and we get to church and we think nobody knows what's going on in our life. I'll tell you what you better do, sir. You better take a blessed garbage out if you expect to move a God. Ain't that right? We look real good. It's easy. Hey, it's easy to be holy in this setting. 
It's easy to shout while everybody else is shouting. It's easy to put on tie and look holy and spiritual in front of everybody when everybody else has got a tie on. How you doing on Tuesday morning, sir? It's easy here. My friends are here. We can come in here and shout and have a blessed time and run the aisles and swing from the chandeliers. We're supposed to. But how are we doing the other days of the week? Accumulating a bunch of trash. We go to the beach and lose our minds. It's preaching time. We go to the beach and take our yoga pants and take our stretchy pants. and We would never dare wear that stuff here. We would never dare wear that to Walmart on account of the preacher might walk into Walmart. Hey, honey, you better worry about more than the preacher. Is that right? We live like a devil half of our lives. Half of our days are spent living like a devil and we wonder what's wrong with our churches and we wonder what's wrong with our children. It's quiet in it. I'm gonna be done just in one minute. I'll be done just in one second. That dung gate, every bit. Did you know that a city, a city cannot survive without taking the trash out? My wife will come by my, she'll walk, if you're married, this has happened to you on numerous occasions too. My wife will walk by the trash can like I can't see nothing and she'll say the trash is full. And I'll walk in, my family, my, my wife and my three boys, I don't think I have anything to do with it, but my wife and my three boys make more trash than anybody ever seen. And she... I'm telling you, I'm constantly taking the trash out, taking it around, driving it around to the dumpster. She'll say, the trash is full. And I'll walk by there and I'll say, that trash ain't nowhere close to full. And I'll start to smash stuff down in there so that I don't have to make an... Are y'all listening? So that I don't have to make another trip around to the dumpster yet, I'm gonna try and hold some more trash. And that's what we do in an altar call. God come by, man of God will preach and uh, we know God's done fingered around in our heart, showed us what needed to be rid of. He showed us what needed to go. He showed us that we needed to take a trash out and, uh, and the, the invitation is played and we get to the second stanza and you hadn't moved yet and the Lord said you need to take a trash out. He was preaching to you. You need to go take a trash out. It'd be good for you to empty some of that stuff in your life and all we do during the altar call is we stand at our seat and we push that trash on down where we can hold some more. Not interested in getting rid of nothing. Don't want to have to change nothing. Don't you dare preach on changing nothing, preacher. I never had, it never has bothered me whose lap it's landed in. I just like for it to land somewhere. If it lands in mine, I'll let it land in mine. I'm telling you, we need to take a blessed trash. My goodness gracious. The dung gate. Your body can't survive if you don't take a trash out. Your house can't survive if you don't take... A city can't survive if you don't take a trash out. Me and you is no different in our Christian life. You can't hang on to that bunch of mess. You can't harbor that bunch of unforgiveness. 
You can't keep that bunch of critical spirit mess going. Are y'all listening to me? She didn't invite me to this. She didn't look. Did you see what she put on Facebook? Who gives a rip what she put on Facebook? You take a trash out. Let the Lord worry about her trash pile. It's preaching time, ain't it? I love y'all. I didn't come up here to be mean. I just felt like I was going to have to preach when I got here. Been feeling like that all day on the snapper lawnmower. I was going to have to preach tonight. <laughs> going to have to take the trash out. My goodness gracious, we harbor all this stuff. My soul. Mm. It's pitiful. Pitiful, this generation we're living in. We go into the prayer room, we bad mouth because there ain't no power of God no more. Church ain't like it used to be. Preaching ain't like it used to be. Holy Ghost ain't, Holy Ghost ain't changed one bit. I'll tell you what ain't like it used to be. It's holy living. Holy living ain't what it used to be. And that's the reason we can bad mouth because there ain't no spirit of God around our churches. A deader and dried up, deader and four o'clock. God help ain't no, they nobody. Everybody's aggravated when they get there. Y'all listen to me. Like a bunch of drag racers, we drag in and race out. Can't wait for it to be over with. When's the last time you was excited about God? When's the last time you smiled when you sang victory in Jesus? When's the last time it dawned on you you don't have to go to hell no more since you got saved? All of a sudden we act like we've arrived, like we really somebody spiritual. Are y'all listen. Been saved for 12 years and know everything. God help us. God help us. God help us. Dung gate. Somebody needs to take a trash out. And the good news is once you get the trash took out, the fountain gate's just around the corner. But you can't get that fountain until you get that trash gone. All you're going to do is pile the trash up if you don't take it out. That old stuff will get stinking and nasty and heavy and you can't hardly tote it. Go to church. No wonder you can't shout. We go to church and sit on our hands. We ought to be the happiest people on planet earth. Every time you walk in and a piano starts, you ought to cut a backflip on purpose and then see if you can cut one on, on the Holy Ghost after that. Ain't that right? If it ever dawned on me and you what we got when we got saved, we wouldn't be able to sit still. Y'all be throwing songbooks at me. You'd be so, you'd be so excited. I'm going to fall off this stage here just any minute now. <clears throat> Dung gate. Well, let me show you this. That didn't excite you too much. Let me show you this. Our Savior, our Savior, come through these gates. Christ can be found in Nehemiah. He come through that sheep gate. You know what he was when he come, don't you? It's a lamb of God. Where else would a lamb come through but a sheep gate? Behold, the lamb of God. He come through the sheep gate. And then he come by the Sea of Galilee and seen some boys fishing. And he called them boys and made them fishers at the fish gate. And then he come to the old gate and he walked through that old gate with a new message. It wasn't Judaism no more. It was grace from then on. It was a new message. Then he come by that valley gate and them Jews rejected him. Then he come by that uh, dung gate and he rejected them. Are y'all here still? 
I know it's hot, but if a man can preach and run around, surely you can stand it. You can, you can handle it sitting down. So he come through that. He come through that dung gate and rejected them. And then you come on down here to the fountain gate, and he opened up salvation for the whole world. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. The water gate, come through the water gates where we are now, the church age, founded on the word of God. Then the horse gates coming next. That's the end, that's the Laodicean church end and the tribulation period. It's in that horse gate. It's what's coming next. It's what we're looking for. That east gate's when he's gonna come put his feet back on the planet. Then that Mifgad gate, that inspection gate, that judgment seat gate. Me and you is going to have to answer for what we've done, what sort, our motive, if we're saved. Why we done what we've done. It's all going to take place. Christ come through those same gates. I found this interesting. Are you all right? I found this interesting. You get to that salvation gate, that sheep gate. Notice this in verse number three. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, and they set up the beams thereof, and they set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And the old gate, watch this, laid the beams thereof, set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And the valley gate, and the Bible said the locks thereof, and the door, the bars thereof. You go down the dung gate, and it says uh, they built it and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. But notice this, when you get to the salvation gate, that sheep gate, there ain't no locks on it. Can I tell you this? If you hadn't figured it out yet, that's no accident. There ain't no locks on salvation. We're not locking no sinners out, not locking no saints in. Are y'all listening to me? There ain't no locks on no salvation gate. It's a, it's a free swinger. It's a free swinging gate. Died for the whole world, tasted death for every man. Free swinging. Sinners all, sinners alike. Drunks and dope heads and moral church people. Choir members. Wish they had somebody. Everybody. Salvation gate. There wasn't no locks on it. Then you get to the fish gate and there ain't no names on it. It's just the sons of Hassanah. There ain't nobody, nobody in particular done it. Just, just the sons of Hassanah. Nobody has a specific name because it's not about a specific name. It's about the evangelism. Then you get to the water gate and there is no repair. Look in verse 26. Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Aphel under the place over against the water gate toward the east and the tower that lieth out. There is nothing said there about repairing a water gate because you do not need to repair the water gate. There ain't nothing wrong with it. There ain't nothing wrong with that water gate you've got in your lap. There's not a blessed thing wrong with that. There ain't no need in fixing it, friend. It ain't broke. We don't want nothing new. Don't want nothing that even smells new. Are y'all listening? <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff that them gates don't have. But I'm telling you, the Lord put in my heart about the dung gate. Taking out the trash. We walk by that trash can. Just try to hold a little bit more. 
Sure love to hold a little bit more instead of taking this out. Boy, it'd be easier if I could just, if I could just cram some of this stuff on down in there where I could hold some more, it'd be a lot easier. And that's what's wrong with us. That's why we can't have church. Won't offload nothing. Keeping everything. Ain't nothing wrong with me, preacher. I'm gonna tell you what bothers me at my church, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere. It bothers me that the same four people use an altar at my church. Same four. It don't matter. You can preach to you blue in the face. You can preach on hell. You can preach on the rapture. You can preach on Christian living, holy living. You can preach on praying. You can, you can ask people to come to the altar, and some people won't come if they're asked to come and pray for a special need. Some folks are not coming. They're not. You can forget it. They're not coming. It's amazing to me that we can come to church as good as God's been to us and we have to even be invited to pray. And then upon an invitation, some folks can't pray, won't pray, won't take the trash out. Got nothing wrong, preacher. I'm afraid, preacher, I'm afraid what somebody would say if I go up there. (laughs) I don't worry about the crowd that comes to the altar. Don't worry about that outfit that don't ever come. Worry one bit about somebody that'll use an altar. Somebody take a trash out. Let's stand all over the building. We'll get somebody on this piano or whatever you want to do, brother. <laughs>